Paul, in his first portion, is addressing the reconciliation that needs to take place at the church in Corinth. And then from there, he shifts to talking about how a church, a gospel-centered church, should produce a heart of generosity. And he starts comparing the church in Macedonia to the church in Corinth, and ultimately the offering that was going to, uh, to help support the Christians in Jerusalem. And then this last section we saw, and man, chapter 11 really got me fired up. He gets extremely feisty, and he starts tacking, uh, attacking this idea of, of a false apostolic movement. And in chapter 11, what I really love is he's sitting there, and he starts comparing apples to apples, and he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they um, sons of Abraham? So am I. Are they followers of Jesus? And then he says this profound statement. I could just imagine Paul just getting up in your face. He's like, so are, are they followers of Jesus? I'm a better one. I'm a better one. And then he lays out for everyone this list of, of what it looks like to follow Jesus and what he had to go through for the sake of the church. This is in chapter 11. And he talks about five times I was beaten at the, 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 the rod, 40 lashes minus one, 39 lashes. Three times I was shipwrecked. Uh, one time I was, I was stoned. I was adrift at sea. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was going through all of this, this stuff, and I was doing it for the glory of God and the church. Now, the reason I'm so passionate about this is where we're going to end today, okay? And, and hopefully I won't be yelling the whole time because I wasn't planning on yelling at all, but it's happening. So welcome to church. And then, and then you get to chapter 12, and, and in chapter 12, he, he lays out this fact that he was sitting there and he prays to God for God to remove a thorn in his side. Now, we, we look at that, and it's like, you prayed three times, and, you know, we think it's like, God, you know, help me pass this test today in Jesus' name, amen. That's a prayer. And, like, we just kind of dismiss it, like, I prayed three times, God didn't answer me. What this is talking about is three seasons of prayer that he's experiencing. Has, has anyone ever been in a season of prayer before where it's just something that you're facing or, or something going on in the family, and you're just hitting the ground, and you're just crying? crying out to God, God, I need you to move. Has that been anybody? I feel like that's me right now. Um, Andrea, I'm going through this sleepless, non-sleeping, staying awake, and it sucks. And I'm just like, God, come on, I need you to do something. I need you to speak. I need you to, like, just give me your peace. And then I'll take a melatonin, and that helps. Um, I'm, like, God is my witness. God is my witness, but I've realized I can't take five milligrams anymore. I can only take like one and a half, and so, um, so I'm kind of going through this. And 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 then he and then he gets in to to chapter 13, and I love this because this is his conclusion of the letter. And I want you to remember that when he's writing this letter, it wasn't written out as chapter and verse. It was written out as a long letter. And whenever they received the letter, the elders would get before the church in Corinth and they would open up this letter or this scroll and they would end up reading it to the church in Corinth. And so this is where we're going to pick up. Um, and I'm going to start in chapter one. The screen's going to start in chapter two. But if you got your Bibles, then you should be able to follow along. Bring your Bibles to church. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, he's, he's addressing sin in the church, okay? Um, verse 2. I warned 
I warn those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them, since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. He is not weak in dealing with you. Christ is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he, Christ, was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Now, again, he's, he's addressing sin that has ended up creeping up in the church. And he's basically saying, like, hey, God wants to deal with this issue over here. And, and, and let me just say this. I don't get how people don't think that God is not going to deal with the stuff in your heart. Like if we're truly following Jesus and pursuing him and running after him, God is going to get in there and he's going to start cleaning the cobwebs out of your closet. And and as Carlos Whitaker says, which you should totally read it, he's going to crush the spider too. He's going to crush the spider. And, And so let me back up just a little bit in chapter 12, verses 19 to 21, give you a little bit of context. And this won't be on the screen, but he says, have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for the upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps that when I come or when I find you, uh, sorry, that when I come, I may not find you as I wish and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be uh, quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come, Again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of their impurity, sexual immorality, um, and, and it continues on with, with that. And, and so he's, he's sitting here saying, church, you've got to deal with the sin issues. You've got to deal, and Christian, if I can say anything to us right now, We've got to deal with the sin issues in our hearts, in our, our lives, the, the stuff that we just allow in. And, and listen, I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. None of us are perfect. Like, I've got plenty of imperfections and flaws. Just ask my wife. She will point out a hundred of them to you. Kid you not. She's not in here today, so I can, I'm going to get in trouble. She goes the other day, she goes, family meeting, family meetings. So Judah runs up, and, and Allie's like, yay, you know, which Allie got these new little shoes. They're really sparkly, and they got glitter on them. I don't like the glitter. <laughs> and she's like, I need everyone's help to start picking up your junk, because I'm doing it all, Michael. And I'm just like, and so after, after the kids go to bed, I was like, hey, uh, what, do, what do you mean by this? And, and she goes, um... You got home from Israel, and you left your suitcase there for three days, and I was the one that washed all your clothes and, and put it away. You take a shower, you leave your underwear out, and the towel on the floor, and I'm just like, look, I went through deliverance for this whenever we first got married, and so this is like an old sin habit that's kind of crept back up. Anyways, um, that's one of my imperfections. Uh, I guess I'm a messy person. Thank you. Thank you. There is, There is... Grace for that. 
But what Paul is saying here is God wants to deal with your sin. And he's about to get into it a little bit more. Um, The other thing that I, I think is important for us to recognize is that he, Christ, was crucified in weakness. But he lives in the power of God. Therefore, we are weak in Christ. But in dealing with you, we we will live with him by the power of God. And, and so here's kind of the best way to describe this, all right? Um, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. There has to be this part of our lives or this attitude or heart posture that you don't have it all together. And because of that, we need to rely on God. I am weak, in my flesh. Like, literally. And, and you are too. And if you're sitting here saying you're not weak, then you're just full of yourself. But like, I am weak in my flesh. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, I can walk in the authority and the power of God that he's given me. Not based upon anything that I've done, but completely based upon what he has done. And and, and so it's important for us to understand this. Like, the grace of God is something that we don't deserve, but the grace of God gives us the power to go on and not continue to sin. You guys tracking with me with that? All right, so let's keep going. Verses 5 through 8. And let this just be reflective, all right? Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? I hope that you will find out that we have not failed the test, but we have prayed to God that you may not do wrong and that we may appear to have met the test, that in, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. Verse 8, for we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. And so I love how he starts out right here. He says, I want you to examine yourself. I want you to examine yourself. James, the brother of Jesus, whenever he's writing the book of James, he references about getting in front of a mirror, right? getting in front of a mirror, and I think sometimes we need to allow ourselves, spiritually speaking, to get in front of a mirror and to look at the imperfections that we have so that we would rely more and more on Jesus Christ in our lives. Examine yourself. And so I I started thinking, I'm like, well, what what does this look like? Uh, Because I think the tendency is, is for us to compare our spirituality next to our neighbor or us to compare our spirituality next to our best friend. Like, I'm going to pick on Nathan for a minute. If I compared my spirituality next to Nathan's, right, what would that look like? Well, obviously, I must be doing better than him. <laughs> that's a joke. That's a, that, that's, that's, it's a joke. It's a joke, right? Um, but, but I'm using that as an example. See, oftentimes we do that and we, we find ourselves in this comparison with each other and we think that if we read a little bit more, we pray a little bit more, or we do X, Y, and Z, um, then we're going to be better, right? 
we're, we're better than everyone else. And I might just throw this out there that that's pride, and pride goes before the fall, according to Scripture. Our standard is simple, the Word of God. The Word of God. And so when looking at this, if the standard is the Word of God, the standard of holiness, the standard of righteousness that God calls us to is the Word of God, then what does that look like for us? Well, Scripture is very clear. Jesus is very clear that we should produce fruit in our lives, right? We should produce fruit. And so I was looking, and it's like, well, the fruit of the Spirit. Many of you guys, if you grew up in Sunday school, you know this, you know, um, righteousness, peace, righteousness, peace, and joy, righteousness. Do you remember that? Yeah, I'm not doing a good job either. But um, fruit of the Spirit. And so what is, what is the fruit of a of the Spirit in our lives. It's, it's love, according to Scripture. It's love. And we've said this before, how well are we loving each other? In light of what Christ has done for you, how well are you loving those around you? How well are you loving the enemies that we are surrounded by? The, the other is joy. And, and I've said this before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. There is a massive difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based upon your emotion. Joy is based upon something that is rooted deep down in your soul. Uh, the third is peace. And so let me give you a prime example. I'm, you know, staying up late, my mind's racing and thinking. We've got a building, I've got this issue, I've got that going on, and, and what about this, and am I a horrible father, and all of this stuff is running through my head. If I've got anxiety, then something is off track right here because I'm not experiencing the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and protects my heart and my, my heart and my mind. Right? The, the third is patience. Have you ever seen me drive? Paloma, have you ever? Yeah. Paloma rode with me. We were headed, it was me and uh, me, Marissa, and whoever else. We were headed down to the city, and, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost came over me. It was not the Holy Ghost. And it was like, you moron, I cannot believe. And so I'm sitting there yelling, and Paloma's just like, I thought you were joking about your road rage and your anger. And I'm like, oh, no, I, you get out of my way. Like, patience. Patience, which by the way, it took us like an hour to go a mile and I was super ticked off and God obviously is bringing progressive sanctification in my heart. Okay, I just want to throw that out there. Come on, there we go, Jerry. But patience, how patient are we with other people? He doesn't stop. He says kindness, gentleness. How kind, how gentle are we with other people? Generosity. Now this is something that a lot of times we as Christians just want to skip over. But generosity is a fruit of the Spirit. Generosity is a fruit that, that is produced in our hearts that should boil out in light of what Jesus has done. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. And then the last one, self-control. So I think we can just take that right there. Right there. You know, examine yourselves. What am I examining myself with? The fruit of the Spirit. How you doing? And, and listen, we're all going to have areas. Obviously, mine is patience. It is patience. Would you agree that, like, 
I'm, I'm telling you, I am so impatient sometimes. I need to, to grow in that, which means I need to trust Jesus more and more. And, and then he says, test yourselves. Test yourselves. And I want to just ask you two questions. And this is for you to decide, for you to answer. This is how you can test yourself. Is your relationship with Christ leading people to Jesus? Or is it leading people away from Jesus? It's one or the other. Bottom line, it's one or the other. And if you're not leading people to Jesus, you're not meeting the test. You're not going to pass the exam. And I hate to say that, as blunt as that is, are we leading people towards Jesus or are we leading people away from Jesus? Verses 9 and 10, he says, For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. And for this reason, I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of authority that the Lord has given me for the building up and not for the tearing down. And so he says, we're praying for your restoration. And we're praying that you would get a hold of this so that we can continue to build each other up. And then verse 11. Um, Finally, brothers, rejoice Aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, I want to break that down for a few moments. Rejoice. Rejoice. Well, what am I rejoicing in? We should be rejoicing in the cross and the powerful work of the cross that was demonstrated for us so that we could be transformed. Then he says, aim for restoration. Now look, I'm going to make a very bold statement here. And if you've grown up in church, maybe you've heard this before. <clears throat> the church is horrible at restoration. At least here in America. I'm going to say it, it's horrible at restoration. And I don't know of any other organization in the world that when someone is wounded, they continue to beat the wounded up. Someone falls from the grace of God, someone commits a sin, someone gets caught in whatever, and what do we do as a church? We just start kicking them, we cut ties with them, we run away from them, we, we whatever it, it, it looks like, we are so quick, so quick to just, we're done. So quick. I've seen pastors fall over the years. I literally knew a children's pastor who his wife committed an affair, and he lost his job, and then they got kicked out of the church, and they had to go five hours away to find reconciliation and healing and restoration for them. And another church paid for it. Like, and I'm just like, that blows my mind. Like, what about the part where, where Jesus is, I came for the brokenhearted? What about the part where Jesus said, I came for the sinners and the prostitutes? What, what about that part? Now, do we need to stay that way? Absolutely not. We should continue to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. But man, sometimes we fall. 
Like, we see it, it's, it's okay for Will Smith to slap Chris Rock, and the entire internet ends up blowing up, and a week later, we're all good about it and everything else. And, and, but man, if a pastor does this, or if a Christian does that, then we're just going to cut them out. Now, I, I, this is hard for me to say based on what I'm going to be addressing in just a few moments, all right? And, and so, um, let's aim for restoration. Now, there is a point where if restoration does not take place, that's a different story. That's a different story. If, if we are not at a place where God, we are open to submission, we are open to accountability, we are open to leadership, and we are open to healing in our life, then that's something different. That's something different than what I'm, I'm talking about. You guys tracking with me with that? Okay. He continues, he continues on. And I'm going to be honest, I don't even know what all happened with Chris Rock and Will Smith. I just started seeing the memes, and it's like, um, you know, gas prices. <laughs> like, I think that was the first one on Twitter that I saw. And I'm like, oh, what happened at the Oscars or Emmys? I don't even know what it is, you know? Um, and there's something else happening tonight. So we'll see if someone else gets punched in the face. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Comfort one another. Let's be that church that comforts one another. Let's be that church whenever our brother or sister is struggling, we are encouraging them, we are lifting them up, and we are holding them together. Live in peace. Imagine that. We're supposed to live in peace. We're supposed to live in peace. I, the internet, that's all I'm going to say. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Will be with you. Rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, live in peace, and God is going to be with you. Now, he continues on. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Don't start kissing people, all right? I'm just going to say that. In this church, if you start doing that, we're going to have another conversation um, but greet one another, right? So culturally, context, and they didn't kiss on the lips. It was always like on the cheek, you know? Have you, if you ever meet like a true Italian family, um, and they're just like, oh, it's so good to see you. Wah, wah. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where it is. All the saints greet you in verse 14 as he wraps this up. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Be with you all. I love that. Now, I want to take a moment and um, just kind of a, a, just talk about something that's, I, I would say, close to my heart. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, okay? I love the local church. I love the local church. And I want to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit so that you guys know what we have in place here at City Church, um, how things kind of look between us and Brooklyn and Staten Island, um, some concerns that have been raised, and, and just kind of address those. So a little bit of a family meeting. Is that cool with you guys? Yeah? Cool. All right. Um, I love the local church. Like, outside of my wife and my kids, I would give my life for the local church. 
It has been an extremely difficult two plus years since the start of the pandemic. I'm telling you, before the pandemic hit, it was like all cylinders were hitting, kicked off a building campaign, finances were great, praise Jesus, hallelujah, you know, gold dust was falling down or whatever you want to, you know, interpretive dances were happening. That's a joke. Um, And then the pandemic hit. And with the start of the pandemic, you started seeing pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor falling from grace, falling and being entangled into sin because of one reason or another. Their pride got in the way, or they became money hungry, um, or uh, they never dealt with some issues that maybe they had growing up between their parents or um, you know, they, the, the pandemic hit them and, and they were trapped and, and they're used to being in front of people for affirmation. And so they turned to a bottle or you, you just started seeing one thing after another, after another, after another. And every time something comes out, man, it stings. It stings. Like, it, and, and Nathan can tell you because I, I had this conversation right whenever the, the things started happening, the conversation started happening with Brush Church and City Church. And what that looks like, we were driving to the city and I was telling Nathan, like, God is my witness. I am petrified, petrified of me getting caught into a place where sin creeps in and I let my guard down because there's too much at stake for the gospel. There's too much at stake with, hum- at, with humanity, right? And, and then recently, and, and, and this is where I want to address a few things. Recently, as you guys know, um, Hillsong just came out, not Hillsong, uh, the Discovery Channel, Discovery Plus just came out with a documentary on Hillsong uh, Church. And then with that, uh, Pastor Brian Houston was caught in some legal issues. And, and then um, he resigned the night before that this took place, as well as Sam Collier ended up stepping down and, and essentially replanting the Atlanta uh, campus of that is another one. And then last week, uh, Pastor Terry Christ um, retracted uh, um, Hillsong Phoenix in their like 27 locations or however many they have. It isn't that many. It's like eight or something. Uh, and, and just kind of pulled out. And so I watched the documentary. You know, there's a few things I want to say about it. And, and how, does, how does this relate to us? And if you don't know this, I just want to quickly address this, and then I want to talk about a few things we have in place here, okay? Um, in 2016, God kind of placed it on Christy and Mai's heart to, to apply to be a part of the Hillsong Network. I love Hillsong. I have a lot, a lot of respect for them. Um, I loved what they were doing. I love how they did church. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, you guys that have been to City Church, you know that in a normal setting, we've got smoke and loud music and jumping up and down and all that stuff. A little different now, but uh, that's, that's, I love church like that. It's fun. I enjoy it. My kids enjoy it. So um, ended up teaming up with them, and uh, we, we got accepted as a Hillsong Network church, and I was really excited about it. And through this process, I've been able to meet a lot of people in the Hillsong culture and in the Hillsong staff, okay? Um, I, I met... Um, Todd Cruz, who was the campus pastor of Hillsong NYC. Uh, he was directly under Carl. I uh, met some of the other team down there at, at Hillsong NYC. Came, um, was always communicating with the network director, Bridget, uh, for the United States. 
Uh, and then Christy and I got invited to go to Israel with them, and I met Andy Hopkins and Naomi Hopkins, who I love dearly, love dearly. And to see what has taken place over the past couple years, it is just, it's broken my heart. It has absolutely broken my heart. And on top of that, you've got all these other scandals that are creeping up in the church, not just with Hillsong, right? And so um, where does this leave us? Where does this leave us organizationally and in relationship with them? And so I sent an email out to the elders this past week. And uh, just so you know, the consensus is, is that when our membership is up for renewal in August, we will not renew with Hillsong Network starting in August, unless obviously there are some drastic changes and things in place with accountability. Uh, and I love uh, what Pastor Terry Chris said last week addressing his church, is there's just too much broken trust right now for us to continue on. Now, Paul's very clear whenever he's writing about if you don't deal with this, God's going to expose. If you don't deal with it, God's going to expose. If you don't deal with it, God's going to expose. He even, he even says, turn them to the devil or turn them to the wolves and let the wolves deal with them. So it's pretty harsh words, right? Now, I'm not saying we need to take Brian Houston and throw him in a, a, a den of wolves, right? I think that he is very repentant, remorse, remorseful and stuff. Um, but long story short, uh, this was, it's been a heavy decision and it's been something that's been weighing on myself. And I think Christy can tell you, now that she's in here, I can... Um, Love you, honey. I can talk about you. And so it's been something that's been weighing down. And I've also, it's also caused me to really reflect back on who we are as a church community and what's going on here locally. And so one of the things I want to address about the documentary that the documentary was 100% false with, 100% false with, it disgusted me. And there's a lot that was true in the documentary. Uh, there's a portion on episode two or episode three where one of the college students started talking about the um, application process to work with children, to work with kids. And every student had to go through an application process, all right? And so this is, parents, I'm addressing you right now. And one of the things she said is you have to do a background check, which is pretty standard, but then you have to do an interview and that the church needs to know about any domestic violence abuse, any drug use, any uh, sex outside of the context of biblical definitions and marriage, um, and all of this stuff. And then she said that the church was using this to kind of weed out who can be on stage and who cannot be on stage. And I, I can't really speak to that. But her arguments against how the church handled kids' ministry made me sick. Because these are kids that we're dealing with. These are kids that we're dealing with, and I love kids. And it is our duty and job as a church to protect the kids. And so just so you know, if you apply to work with kids in City Church, you're going to have to fill out a background check. You're going to have to fill out a questionnaire. And the questionnaire is not, do you love Jesus? The questionnaire is, have you experienced drug use before? Have you um, um, ended up, you know, sex outside of marriage? Have you uh, been involved in pornography? Have you been in, and the reason we're doing this, number one, is because our insurance company mandates that we do it in New York State. 
Like we do it with teachers, why can't we do it with, with volunteers? Because they're working with kids. The other reason is because we don't want someone to get in there who's got a background that we don't know about and start teaching the kids and God forbid something happens. And, and so we're like, and that's, that's one of the things that in the video, I was just like, this is trash. It's trash. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you want to work with kids at City Church, we love our kids too much to let you get by with the cheap interview process. We care about the next generation. And I, man, it will be on my dead body that something happens like that in this church. Especially with my kids. I'm getting a little fired up, all right? So, come volunteer for kids ministry, you know? <laughs> uh, there, <laughs> there is a process. When it, with Jacob, with Jacob and Chelsea, like, we did background checks. We, we had him fill out questionnaires. He had to disclose a bunch of information to us. That, why? Because he's working with kids. He's working with kids. And so that's something a little off-putting. I got a little fired up, and maybe it's because I love kids, and I've seen abuse happen in church, and I never, by the grace of God, we have never seen that happen here at City Church. And I do not want that to ever happen. It will break me. It will break me. Because that's the future of the church. That's the future of the church. Now, there's some other stuff that was said about uh, Brian's father. I can't speak to that. I, a lot of that I just I can't address. I don't have enough knowledge or understanding. But where we are as a church, and now I want to talk about what we have in place, all right? And I promise you I'm wrapping up. Marissa, this is the part where you can come make it spiritual. Um, what was I going to say? Uh-huh. What we, thank you. What we have in place. Thank you. All right. One of the things I think we can all learn from this is we do not want to build a church based on the culture of one person. It's not about me. This is why I love what God is doing in our community. Because if I wasn't here right now and Tony didn't throw his back out, y'all pray for him, Tony would be up here preaching to you as an elder of this church. And next week, Nathan's going to preach to you his very first Palm Sunday message. Y'all get excited. Come out and support him. If it's not good, you're not preaching again. <laughs> Easter Sunday, I'm going to be here, right? Um, I don't want to build a church based on the culture of one person. The culture matters, but a culture where celebrity is, and not that I'm a celebrity at all, but a culture where a platform for a person like that is elevated, man, it's just, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. And, and so that's, that's number one thing. Number two, we want to have a transparent culture here at City Church, a very transparent. And this doesn't just start with, oh, we want to, we want to you know, here's our struggles. No, we want to be transparent about as much as we can legally be transparent about, meaning if you go fill out your application for kids and you got something on your application, we can't go disclose that to anyone else. That's between uh, whoever's overseeing the next gen and you. That's it. And Jen Walterstorp, because she handles all that and keeps us out of jail. She does. Um, but we want to have a transparent culture. So listen, I, I, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide. I'm sure I have some stuff that I don't want to get out there, okay? But I have nothing that I'm like deliberately keeping from people. When it comes to our finances, I, I don't know how blunt I can get with this. You want our P&Ls, request them. 
The only thing you're not gonna see is how much each individual staff member makes. Outside of that, psh, here you go. And, and that's what I love about where we are, is we're not trying to keep things away from the church. We're not trying to keep things away from um, society or like this is this is who we are this is what we got this is what's in the bank this is what's come in like we want to be transparent a hundred percent transparent about the finances because guess what if we didn't have people giving to the church then we wouldn't have the finances and and because of that like we understand for there to be trust we need to be transparent about it so if you ever have a question about finances uh, please let me know. Uh, the other thing that I, I do, don't know if it was addressed in the documentary, but um, Terry Christ addressed it, and I was just like, this is beautiful. And so talking about City Church, Res Church, Brooklyn, and Staten Island, what is all of this? Listen, um, in a few weeks, there's going to be a transition that takes place, all right? Uh, you'll hear more about it in the upcoming weeks. With that, there will still be a local governing elders at each location. Why? Because it's biblical. It's biblical. Whenever, even though Paul oversaw Ephesus and Corinth and um, the Macedonia and, and wherever else it was, uh, Antioch, all, he oversaw saw all those churches. Each one of those locations had a local body of elders that was in place. It's biblical. So the elders of City Church are going to remain the elders of City Church. There's not going to be like this, like them morphing in with us and us morphing in with them, that type of thing. It's just not happening from a governing standpoint because this is what the Bible teaches and we want to follow the scripture as close as possible. And then the last thing that I want to hit on is accountability. And I want to just be very, very real and transparent with you guys. Um... I desire that everything that takes place in our church is ran through the lens of accountability. This goes financially. This is, this is why Jen Waltersdorf is amazing because it's like, Jen, let's do this. It would be a great idea. And she's like, Michael, we can't do that because it violates IRS code 9237.652. And if you end up doing that, then you could get fined and go to jail for 17 years of your life. And I'm just like, all right, let's not do that, you know? Um, but we want those places, those, those accountability structures in place, those accountability structures in place for our church so that God forbid if anything ever happens, we are set up to where if some scandal takes place, we can continue to advance for the gospel of Jesus, okay? Uh, and so I want to let you guys know who I'm accountable to. I want to let you know how accountability works in our board and with our church and some things that we're also working through right now. Uh, number one is I'm accountable to the elders of City Church, just so you guys know. And, and I have no problem if Tony ever wanted to sit down with me and ask me a question or Gabe or Kevin, they absolutely can. Um, there have been times where, where Gabe has picked up the phone and been like, hey, I'm just wondering how you know, what's going on with this? The other thing is we have a board of directors. Um, I literally had someone on our board of directors call me this past week, kid you not, picked up the phone and was like, hey, Michael, this is a silly question. I know you've been traveling a lot lately. I'm like, yeah, I have been traveling a lot. And he's like, all right, I want to make sure that this isn't on the church's dime and that this is coming out of your personal expenses at City Church. And I kind of chuckled 
But I got off the phone, and I was like, that's the kind of people, and I was paying for it myself, all right, just so you all know, um, to answer his, his question. That's the kind of people we want on our board because they're going to protect us, okay? Um, we are also in the process of setting up an accountability board that in the event, God forbid, I launder money or I do something stupid, I whatever it may be, this accountability board will then be involved with the discipline for me and whether or not I should be disciplined or terminated or it was a big misunderstanding. And so we're in the process of getting that set up just so that you guys know we, we've had the things in place, but we're trying to finalize it. Uh, on a personal note, on a personal note, obviously I'm accountable to my wife and I'm just gonna be very honest, sometimes there are things that I deal with as a guy that I just need another guy to talk to and I think all of our guys can say amen to that, right? Amen, just me. Just like the ladies need ladies to be able to talk to because they're like biologically we're completely different and, and so there are things that my wife is, is gonna be able to talk to Paloma about that I just don't understand, you know? I, I, Mom was like, yeah. And she talks to her. And so on top of that, I try to be transparent with everything with my wife. The, the other person locally that I'm very transparent with is Nathan Westfall. And, and just so you guys know, I sat down with him on Wednesday, having lunch, talking about everything. And I said, Nathan, we need to talk about this. And you know what his response to me was? Let's go out and let's just have a big party and get completely wasted. No, that was not his response, all right? His response, I kid you not, his response was, not today, but let's take some time, and in two weeks, let's get together so that we can review what you and I have in place for accountability for each other. Like, I'm not joking. Like, this is serious. Because too much is at stake. Too much is at stake. And what I love about Nathan is if I ever did go do something stupid, he'd knock me over the head for it, but he'd encourage me, he would pray for me, he would hold me accountable, and if it got serious enough, he's gonna protect the church. He's gonna protect the church because too much is at stake. And so listen, I know that that was a whole lot. And with our staff, our staff is very transparent, sometimes too transparent with each other um, about where we are. And, and so, Oh, the other thing I want to say is just in relation, and it's my fourth closing, I promise you I'm about to be done. Promise. Look, we are, let's make the last song a little shorter, okay? Um, the last thing I want to say is our relationship with, with Res Church. Um, Bishop Joseph Matera, Bishop, so weird, Joseph Matera uh, is soon going to be transitioning to an apostolic pastor role, which is it's in the Bible. Maybe not the word apostolic pastor, but an apostolic role. I will be involved more with Rez and with City as a lead pastor. Um, but I love Joe and Joyce Matera. And I know some of you guys have gotten a chance to meet them. Some of you guys have not. You will see them up here very soon. I love them. And uh, he's like a dad to me. And I don't know how else to put it. And so... If I need a good swift kick in the butt, I just let Joe get a hold of me for a few minutes. And then he's like, all right, let's do some MMA stuff and jujitsu and uh, I'll take you down. But they love God, they fear God. Uh, we may see things differently because of a generational thing, 
but they love me and Christy. They love City Church. And they love Rice Church. And they love what God is doing through all this. And so I'm saying all this to say, guys, my heart has been heavy because of what has come out recently. My heart has been broken because of what has come out. And as a pastor, I want to protect our church from that ever taking place here at City Church or in Brooklyn or in Staten Island. And if you ever have any questions, it may take a few weeks for us to be able to sit down and talk. Ask Micah, he can tell you. But we're, we'll sit down and we'll talk. We want to be transparent with you guys because we're in this together and the gospel of Jesus Christ is far too important for sin to get in the way and destroy the church. Amen? That's my message. Let's stand. And I went 20 minutes over today. I'll get yelled at tomorrow, uh, but I won't be doing this spiel next week. Nathan will. Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you for your love. And God, I thank you for your grace. And Father, I just, um, God, we pray for Hillsong. God, I pray as they walk through this transition and what they're experiencing, Father. God, I pray for Christian down in NYC and his entirely new staff. God, that you would just be with them. Father, I pray for Andy and Naomi, that you would just comfort their family. Father, I pray for the church as a whole. That, God, we would find ourselves falling more and more in love with your scripture and more and more in love with holiness and more and more in love with community and accountability and pursuing a growing relationship with you. And that, Jesus, nothing would be held back from your church, God. Father, in our weakness, you make us strong. In our brokenness, you take it and you turn it from, from ashes into beauty. And so, God, I'm asking that for the global church, you would do something that takes the global church from ashes to beauty. That you would take us as broken vessels and, and build us as jars of clay that could be vessels of your glory and vessels of your kingdom, God. Father, I thank you for this church community and their love for one another, our desire to be transparent and to be held accountable, and that, God, we will continue to run after you as a church. And Father, I pray that this Easter season is a shindig celebration here at City Church and that you do something awesome as we gather for the first time on Easter, Resurrection Sunday in three years. In Jesus' name.